Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. It's Lon Seidman, and it's time once again for your weekly wrap-up. And we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about today, including planning for CES 2019. We're going to look at a little glitch on the premium TV system that HD Home Run recently set up. B&H is back in the news with me, at least, because apparently they did initially fight uh, Connecticut's efforts to collect customer sales data for tax purposes, in contrast to Newegg. We'll talk about reviewing pre-release products here on the channel, backing up to Amazon's Glacier service, and MPEG-2 comes to the Roku, which might make uh, watching live TV a little bit easier. Lots to talk about, so let's get to it. So let's kick things off by thanking our newest supporters here on the channel, including Drew Smith, who gave via Patreon, Slava Tisvik, who gave via Super Chat on last week's premiere of the wrap-up, and Earl Portlock, who is a new YouTube member. I want to thank all of them for their contributions to the channel, along with everyone who contributes on a regular basis, and all of you who watch on an ongoing basis, too, because all those things equal channel growth. Now, we don't have an advertiser this week on the channel, but we do have a non-ad, an affiliate link for, what else, Amazon, because, of course, this is the holiday season, and if you were looking at Getting an Amazon device, the prices have come down quite a bit on a few of them, uh, especially the Echo Dot here. The second generation version is now 20 bucks. Uh, you can get the new one for $30. They dropped the price of the Echo along with some of the other devices in their repertoire as well. Uh, so check it out at lon.tv slash Amazon devices to find one for the people in your life. So let's take a look now at the weekend review on the Extras channel. We had a couple of gaming related things this week. Had some raw footage from the GeForce Now service that I reviewed on the main channel and also had a little charging dock that I got in through the Amazon Vine program that I reviewed on the Extras channel. We often do some short reviews on there, things that don't make uh, the cut for the main channel here. And then on the main channel, we had a review of the Leva Z2, which is a fanless mini PC with a Gemini Lake processor. I'll talk a little bit more about that later on in the show. Uh, We did a overview of the Roku's for 2018 and 2019. I did have one piece of errata on that video in that the Ultra no longer has an optical output. The Ultra that I had was from about two years ago. They've apparently updated it so it no longer has optical audio out, just the other ports that were detailed on it. But everything else in the video should be uh, accurate to this year. I know a lot of you are interested in those devices and the differences between them. They have way too many uh, versions of the Roku out there. So hopefully this video made it a little bit easier for you. And I have another thing to talk about regarding Roku a little later in the wrap-up as well. And we did that overview of the NVIDIA GeForce Now service. And this surprised me because um, I stumbled across it a few weeks ago just playing around with my NVIDIA Shield. I had forgotten that I signed up for the beta. And what do you know, I had access to it and I could uh, play my Steam games uh, on my NVIDIA Shield over the internet, which I thought was pretty cool. 
Uh, and, you know, it's been around for a while. I didn't think people would have that much of an interest in it, but that video has done almost 20,000 views since it went up last week. So that was a really good uh, video for the channel. So I might do something else in a similar vein, uh, maybe with other services in the coming weeks, just because it looks like there's a good amount of viewer interest for that. And now it's time for a couple of things that are on my mind. And this is week 95 of me doing this as a full-time occupation. And I was just thinking about CES 2019 this weekend and what I plan to do. Now, I wasn't sure if I was going to go yet or not, but I am going to go. I do have to be back in the middle of the week for a Board of Education meeting. I'm on my local Board of Ed, so I have to cut the trip short a little bit. But I've been really thinking about the kind of coverage that I do there and what you all appreciate as viewers. And I think there's been a lot of interest in finding things that are kind of off the beaten track. So we're going to try to focus a little bit more on that this year. Uh, But I did get invited to an additional event that will make coverage a lot more efficient. So what I'm thinking about here is uh, two to three dispatch videos, along with our annual interview uh, with Silicon Dust, the makers of the HD Home Run. And I know a lot of you will have questions for that interview. uh, So let me know down in the comments below, and we will definitely ask those questions when we're out there. Uh, they're, they're going to also sponsor the coverage this year once again as well. So I'm very grateful for them for that because it is not a uh, moneymaker for this channel. It costs a lot of money to get out there and get the hotel rooms and all the other stuff that goes along with traveling to Las Vegas in the midst of the most uh, popular event of the year. Prices go way up on everything. So I uh, really appreciate their help with that. Uh, so what we're going to do in the dispatch videos is provide you some coverage from uh, two events. One is going to be from Pepcom. And what I love about Pepcom is that they rent out a huge ballroom, usually at the Mirage in Las Vegas, and they invite hundreds of companies to set up little tables in that room, and you can get a lot of things looked at and talked about in a relatively short period of time. It's kind of like one of these uh, supermarket sweep kind of things where you're just running from one table to the next trying to uh, see and consume as much as possible, and that's what we're going to do for uh, the first night that we're out there. And then I got invited to a similar event this year uh, called Showstoppers. So we're going to go do that as well. And there should be a whole different set of companies at that event. So that will really, uh, I think, make the coverage a lot more efficient. We'll get a lot more done in a uh, shorter period of time. And then we're going to spend a third day wandering around something called Eureka Park. And this is a uh, whole other exhibit area separate from the main convention center Uh, that has all of the startups. I know a lot of you have loved that coverage in the past, so we're going to uh, walk every inch of that huge exhibit hall and find everything that might be of interest for another uh, dispatch video. So you'll be seeing these videos over the course of CES week, uh, probably starting up uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, and then we'll have uh, one a day as we go through that week. So it should be a pretty fun amount of coverage. If you know of anyone who's exhibiting at the Eureka Park uh, set up, let me know down in the comments below. Because again, we're looking for things that other media outlets may not be covering. And there's often a number of hidden gems in the mess that is Eureka Park. So last year, we uh, did probably about a 15 or 20 minute video of all the things that we found there. But for every product that shows up in a video, there are probably 75 other things that we walk by there because there is just so much stuff. And a lot of it just Not all that interesting, but again, there are those little hidden gems that uh, we have to go out and find because these little companies often don't have the marketing 
budget to be able to let us know that they're there. So it's really kind of a fun thing to uh, find stuff, and that's probably why they call it Eureka Park. So we'll have a full report from there. Lots of fun coming up at CES. And again, let me know what uh, you'd like me to go and find while we're there, because I do this for your benefit uh, so that you can find some things that a lot of the other outlets aren't finding. So now it's time for some things in the news that caught my eye this week. And the first item actually comes from our CES sponsor, Silicon Dust. Uh, They're having a problem right now with their premium TV service that we covered a few weeks ago, and a bunch of you wrote in to me about this. Uh, Basically, what this service does is it allows you to bring in cable networks over the Internet through their over-the-air boxes. So if you're bringing in stuff with your antenna from your local broadcasters, you can pay for their premium TV service to also get cable integrated into the mix without having to go back to uh, your cable company to get those channels. And we covered this a few months ago. Uh, What it lets you do is actually treat those cable channels like they came in over the air. So there's no restrictions as to how you can use the content. It'll even work with Plex and Channels and any other app that supports uh, the HD Home Run Tuner. Uh, But their provider of those channels is having a contract dispute right now uh, with the Discovery Channel and a few of the Discovery-owned networks are not available, including Hallmark, Discovery Channel, HGTV, TLC, Food Network, Animal Planet, Travel Channel, and OWN. Uh, So what they're doing until this situation gets resolved is they'll be issuing a $10 credit per month uh, to customers that are impacted by this. And they've also uh, taken those networks off their marketing so people who are thinking of subscribing to the service get a full picture of what's currently available. Uh, But I do suggest you check out the link that you see on screen as this gets resolved and develops because they will probably be updating this quite a bit uh, as things happen. So uh, definitely check out that forum link there and you'll get right to their uh, little section where they post updates. And the forums are actually a really good place for all the HD home run stuff because if you are having trouble, a lot of the engineers are in there monitoring things, of course, but you can also get help from others who may have encountered the same issues you've had. It's a good community just because a lot of people have been using these products for a while and it's a really good resource uh, to get what's uh, happening with uh, the product and all the updates related to it. So check out that link if you are a premium TV subscriber or thinking about it to see when this gets resolved. Now, last week we talked about how B&H Photo and Video is going to begin collecting sales taxes from Connecticut customers, and presumably they will be collecting sales tax in other states now as well. And I posted that video on my Snippets channel, and when I do post a video there, a tweet goes out automatically with the title of the video, and the B&H uh, photo guy saw it and replied to me about how it is, in fact, a Supreme Court decision that made this possible. But I followed up with him because one of the things that I speculated about in the video was that they likely resisted efforts by the Connecticut taxing authorities to acquire their sales database. Now, New Egg, which we've talked about many times here on the channel, uh, didn't fight a request from Connecticut for that private sales data. They just turned it over And the Connecticut taxing authorities then sent a letter out to uh, hundreds of Connecticut customers, if not maybe thousands of them, myself included, uh, demanding back sales taxes because Newegg never collected the tax before. And they had a couple of different options they could have pursued. They could have fought it. They could have uh, decided to start collecting taxes. There's a whole bunch of things they could have done uh, rather than send out the customer database, but they chose just to send the database out and violate their customers' privacy. Uh, I did ask B&H, did they get that same request from Connecticut, and it looks like they had in the past, but they did fight their request and did not turn over the customer data. 
uh, but now they are collecting the tax just because the Supreme Court decision has largely changed the law in regards to sales tax collection uh, beyond state borders here, and it's now kind of a moot issue. But I was impressed that uh, they apparently did get that request, and they did stand up for their customers, unlike New Egg, which just turned over the data. So I think there's definitely uh, a different value that B&H applies to customers than New Egg does, and that's something to really think about, isn't it? And now it's time for a Q&A from you, the viewers. And this first comment came in from a couple of folks about my Leva Z2 mini PC review. Uh, because this unit that we got in was slightly different than the one they're currently selling on Amazon. Uh, so what happened was over the summer, they reached out to me and said, hey, we've got this new PC coming out. Do you want to review it with a loaner? I said, sure, send it over. But my past experience with them is that they often would send things out months before they were available. I was led to believe that this machine was coming out like imminently so we could really start working on it quickly to get things going. So that's what we did. We actually went through our entire uh, evaluation process. We got everything set up. We were capturing footage. You all know that I pay people here to help me with that stuff. So there was some monetary investment on the part of the channel here to get things uh, ready to go. And what do you know? It didn't come out a week later or two weeks later or three weeks later. It was like two months later that it finally showed up on Amazon. And the one that's on Amazon has a different processor. This has a Pentium N5000. Uh, what's up on Amazon right now, I believe, is a Celeron N4100. Uh, in my testing in the past, there hasn't been a huge difference for the types of tests that we run here on the channel between the 5000 and the N4100. I think the 5000 might be clocked slightly higher. It might burst a little bit more than this one bursts at, but generally it's not a huge difference in performance for uh, what our typical videos look for. So given that, I said, you know what, I think this is close enough to that shipping version that we can uh, do a review of it and let folks know that the one we have might be slightly different than what you end up with. Uh, but given the track record of these guys, and they're not a bad company, it's just that they, I think, send out things to us a little bit sooner than they should. I'm going to make sure in the future that uh, whatever they send me is what they actually have on Amazon and is not something that's close to what they have on Amazon, because I know how people like to have the exact uh, model reviewed here that they'll end up with, and uh, that is how we're going to approach it. Now, initially, this was going to be a $220 machine with the N5000. The N4100 is selling for about $175 in the same configuration, so that might have been why they went in that direction. They could sell a much more competitively priced computer without a big performance hit, but again, they didn't really indicate anything to me in that, and I wanted to uh, clear the air on that. So I'll definitely be more careful about these things moving forward. And who knows, they may have an N5000 version coming down the pike and this whole discussion will be rather moot. But in the meantime, I'll make sure we get what they're actually selling versus what they decide to send out as a pre-release unit. And Joe Doherty followed up with a question from something we talked about last week in regards to NAS and backing up your NAS device. And I mentioned in the video that I do a couple of different backup strategies using my Synology NAS as kind of the central point. So I use Hyper Backup to copy things to an external hard drive, but I also use Hyper Backup to send things up to Amazon S3. And then I mentioned that my YouTube videos here on the channel, I send to another service that Amazon runs called Amazon Glacier. And that is a very inexpensive long-term storage solution. But what I didn't mention is that it's not part of Hyper Backup. And Joe was trying to find it as an option there. And it's actually in a different application that you'll find on your Synology NAS called Glacier Backup. It's actually a separate app that you have to install from their package center. 
And what this will do is a pretty simple backup to Amazon's Glacier service. But if you've got a lot of data to back up, this will cost you a lot less, but you don't get the encryption features. You don't get the, um, the versioning that you get with hyper backup. So there are some things that you don't get from this cheaper storage solution, but I use it for a last resort kind of thing that if everything is gone here, I can restore the videos because they're living in Amazon Glacier. Let me show you why Amazon Glacier is different. So to store data on Amazon S3 Glacier, you're going to pay less than half a penny per gigabyte here in the United States. You can run your own currency conversion for your particular regions there to see what the differences are, but it's very cheap as you can see. Uh, and that is versus about 2.3 cents per gigabyte using regular Amazon S3. But the difference here is that S3 is something you can access whenever you want. So if I have a file up in S3, I can go and grab it and download it right now if I wanted to. Uh, in fact, the audio version of this show that I host as a podcast, it's hosted in S3. So anytime somebody wants to download the podcast, S3 will deliver you that file. It's very convenient. Uh, but it is a more expensive storage option for that convenience. Now, Glacier being a uh, less than half a penny per gigabyte for storage actually charges you more for retrieval, and retrieval is not immediate. So it's almost like they put your data on a hard drive and move it away. They kind of maybe unplug it from whatever it's plugged into. Maybe it's on tape or something. Nobody really knows exactly how Amazon Glacier stores everything, but we do know that if you want to retrieve data, uh, they're going to charge you $0.09 cents per gigabyte for their standard retrieval service, and that will take anywhere from one to five hours to be made available to you. Uh, so my guess is that they pull it off a hard drive or tape where it's permanently stored, and they make it available on a temporary basis to you so you can download it. Uh, you also need, of course, some special application to be able to retrieve that. Uh, so on the Synology NAS, that Glacier app will also retrieve the data for you too. So it's a uh, all-in-one kind of thing. But if you are doing this yourself, you'll have to code something to go out and get that data after it's been made available. Now, if you're willing to wait a little bit longer, like 5 to 12 hours, you can pay about a quarter of a penny per gigabyte to get your data out. Uh, but again, you won't have it immediately. You might have to wait till the next business day to have that data ready for download. But if something happened here, uh, that is probably what I would go with. Now, again, I just back up my completed videos, the thumbnail, and the video description. Uh, so I have everything now stored up in Amazon Glacier, and every time I make a new video, it gets added to the mix when that backup process runs on my Synology NAS. Uh, so right now, up there in the cloud, I've got about 426 gigabytes stored, and that's only costing me $1.71 a month to have that off-site backup. You can't beat that price for sure. Now, you might be wondering why it's only not even half a terabyte. And the reason is, is that initially I wasn't backing up my actual outputted video. I was downloading uh, what YouTube had, which was much more heavily compressed. We've since changed that. So now I'm uploading the same video I send to YouTube. I'm sending to uh, the backup because when YouTube gets my videos, they crunch them down. Uh, and make them a lot smaller. So I never got the originals back, but I've started uh, retaining the original videos. But I don't store any of my raw footage, uh, primarily because every video I do generates about 15 to 20 gigs of raw footage that really isn't that useful any time later. I do grab B-roll footage from prior reviews occasionally, uh, but when I do that, the 
prior video, the completed video, has what I'm looking for. So uh, what I store up there, again, is just the completed stuff along with thumbnails and some metadata. But you can see here, it really doesn't cost all that much to store this stuff. They do charge you for early deletion. Uh, so they want you to keep the data with them for at least 90 days. And if you want to delete something sooner than that, uh, they're actually going to charge you a per gigabyte deletion fee of about a penny. Uh, and that's why I don't do a lot of the backing up of my documents and stuff. The things that change often, I don't back up to Glacier because if it has to delete the old file and bring in a new one, that might rack up deletion charges. So that's why this is better for long-term archival for things that don't change as opposed to files that are constantly changing. Uh, they also charge you for requests, which can be uh, things about, you know, I need to put this file up to Glacier. That's a request. I need to get a list of files. That's a request. So they charge you uh, a nickel per 1,000 requests. And as you can see here, last month I only had 76, which I'm guessing is the number of uh, items that were placed into the backup there, which didn't end up costing me anything. So that's the pricing. I really think Glacier is a good deal, again, for archival backup for things like photos and videos and things that never change. Uh, so definitely give it some consideration if you're looking to save on your uh, backup costs. And if you don't have a NAS device, um, you should check out uh, ARQ, ARC. Uh, it's available for Mac and Windows. It's software. It will encrypt stuff before it goes out. So you have pre-internet encryption. Now you get that on the Synology NAS for hyper backup, but not with the Glacier backup. ARQ does do that. Now I, I am pretty sure ARQ still supports Glacier. They did in the past. Uh, they don't list it as one of the supported services in the product page here, but they do uh, have a support page about it. So they do have a free trial. I would give it a shot because it's a very good backup utility. It does versioning and uh, works with a number of different cloud services beyond Amazon S3. So you could actually back up to multiple cloud services if you want. Uh, definitely worth checking out. I think it's like 50 bucks to own the software. So it's a very reasonable price. And then you, of course, you got to pay for whatever storage you're using on those storage providers, but it's really good. I might check it out if you're interested in me doing a review on it. So let me know down in the comments below. It's good stuff. And again, Amazon Glacier is something that I can very much recommend given its low price. Now, one of the things we didn't talk about in my Roku overview is its lack of support for the HD home run. A lot of you reminded me of that in your comments. And that reminded me of something that has developed lately uh, with the Roku with their latest system update. And this might be a beginning of something for the HD home run that you might be excited about. So I wanted to show it to you real quick. Um, so right now, plugged into this monitor is the Roku Streaming Stick Plus. And what Roku has done with their latest system update for current Roku devices, they unfortunately did not provide a list of what devices are getting this support, but uh, they have added MPEG-2 hardware decoding to the mix. Now, if you go out to your channel store and look for the Roku Media Player, uh, this is their DLNA player, and as you may know, the HD Home Run is a DLNA video source. So if you don't have a device that directly supports the HD Home Run, you might be able to use it through a media player that supports DLNA like this one does. So you can see here is the HD Home Run on my network. I've got a couple of channels stored here in my favorites. Now this is my local CBS affiliate. Uh, this is going to come in over MPEG-2, and this is a 1080i signal, which means we have to also de-interlace it. And I'm going to just go ahead and play it real quick here. It does take a, 
be a little bit of time for it to uh, start streaming it in. It's not as fast as the HD Home Run app is on the Shield, for example, but it does start playing, and it's actually able to play things just fine now. Uh, what I did notice with the device here is that you need a very good Wi-Fi connection for this to work properly. So we've got AC Wireless here in the studio. My access point is maybe uh, 5 or 10 feet away from me on the ceiling over there, so we've got a very strong signal to my Streaming Stick Plus here. I did try it with the Premier Plus, which does not support uh, AC Wi-Fi. It did not work well at all, and that's been my experience in the past with other devices too, namely because MPEG-2 over your network just requires a lot of bandwidth, and it needs to get uh, its packets in in the right order, and a lot of these uh, 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi signals can't cut it. So if you don't have AC Wireless near where you're setting up and you don't have a Roku that supports it, Wi-Fi is out of the question. Uh, Ethernet on the Ultra, of course, would work fine, the Roku Ultra, but it's going to be a bit difficult from the networking perspective. But again, the Streaming Stick Plus here with a good AC connection was delivering very good results. Now, you don't get the HD Home Run app, first of all. It's not yet available on the Roku. Uh, you also don't get DVR or DRM support. Uh, but if you are watching things over the air and you have a Roku that is kind of sitting idle, you can now uh, use the uh, DLNA player feature here to be able to at least get something to play back over the air. So we still don't have direct support yet, but we do now have the MPEG-2 hardware decoding, which is the first step. And I suspect we might be seeing a lot more of live television on the Roku now, given that they implemented this feature. That might be a hint of something maybe Roku's working on, too. We'll have to see, but it's good to see it there. And now you've got another option for watching live TV. Now, for our Q&A for you this week, I would love to get your thoughts on the Roku players. I think they are still the market leader, believe it or not. Uh, everyone thinks of them as the underdog, but they have a very complete feature set. Uh, they're very simple to use. They support just about everything that's out there, except the HD Home Run, of course. But I'd love to hear from you what you think of the Roku and whether or not you own one. Now, our pick of the week this week, remember, pick of the week is replacing channel of the week, but it will still largely be a piece of media. Uh, is this video that Lazy Game Reviews did on Holiday Lemmings. This was something I enjoyed watching because this was a game that uh, I picked up on a local BBS system way back in the early 90s that uh, delivered a pretty fun Christmas-style Lemmings experience, and you can see me playing it here in DOSBox on my Mac. Uh, really fun game, and LGR did a great overview of it. In fact, I had no idea that they actually turned it into a commercial product. This largely started as a two-level demo that they made just as a holiday gift to fans, and it turned into something that became a shipping product with like 60 or something different levels that they uh, ended up developing by 1995. So check it out. Uh, it's funny, the PC version is not the best Lemmings experience, but so many of us have such fond nostalgia for that ad-lib sound that uh, that is the one most of us uh, mostly play here. So this week on the channel, we've got a couple of things coming up. I just got in this Logitech keyboard that we saw at a a uh, show I was at in New York City a few months back, so we'll be testing this out. Uh, this is designed for smart televisions and set-top boxes, and it will allow you to control up to three devices without having to repair. Uh, so we will check it out and see what it can and can't do. A uh, little spoiler alert, though, it doesn't have a backlight, which I think is crazy on a home theater keyboard not to have a backlight. But we'll take a look and see what it's 
uh, features are one way or the other. Hopefully, hopefully going to get to this uh, Lenovo gaming laptop this week, so stay tuned for that. This is the Y7000P. We've been a little short-staffed here the last couple of days, but we're getting back to normal now, so we'll be catching up on a lot of these things. I also hope to get to the single-drive Synology NAS this week. It's just been a really crazy uh, couple of weeks here, so we're falling behind on a few things, but this is definitely on the to-do list, and uh, we'll try to get to that. And I'm hoping once the holiday week kicks in, I'll try to start working a little bit on the Mister. There's a lot of components that I have to get all put together. I really want to understand it. I know a lot of you are looking for my thoughts on it, which we'll get to, uh, but stay tuned. That will be coming up very soon. Now, if you want to support the channel, you can. You can go to lon.tv support and make a monthly or one-time contribution to the channel. We also have my ongoing relationship with Plex where you can sign up for a free Plex account, no credit card required, and we'll get a small commission. You can also get a Plex Pass for a slightly larger commission for us, and you can also gift a Plex Pass to somebody in your life with that link that you see on screen. We have a number of other channels you can check out as well. So my extras channel has supplementary content, mini reviews and unboxings. We have the podcast, which will be delivered to you from Amazon S3 uh, in audio format, which is this show usually, and I have some interviews up there as well. We have the Snippets channel, which are bite-sized pieces from this show that are made to be more search-friendly. And then we have my live stream archive at lon.tv slash live streams. Hope to do more of those in the near future. Now, if you want to be notified about what's going on here on the channel, you can click on the bell and you'll always get up to date whenever I upload something. So be sure to do that. We have my very infrequent email list at lon.tv slash email as well. We have my Facebook page at lon.tv slash Facebook, where we also post a lot of video. The Facebook group is now over 500 members strong, so you can go in and participate and communicate with me and other viewers. It's been a great uh, resource for me to get ideas for things for the channel, so I'm really enjoying uh, that particular component of what I do, so be sure to sign up there if you're on Facebook. And then we have the store at lon.tv slash store, where I sell things that I previously reviewed here on the channel. Uh, The store is empty at the moment, but I do hope this weekend to get back in there and get rid of some more stuff ahead of the new year. So there are going to be more things available on the store. And if you want to know when they're available, you can go to lon.tv slash store alert to get a notification uh, when those things go live. So be sure to check that out uh, and get your email alert and things do sell quickly from that alert. So be sure to get on it soon. And that's going to do it for this week's weekly wrap up. Thank you all for your continued feedback. I do appreciate the feedback you all gave me on the Leva PC here. That was definitely something to think about for uh, future interactions with that company. And of course, all your comments and criticisms are read and appreciated. So do leave them down below in the comments. Until next time, this is Lon Seidman. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by the Lon.tv supporters, including Gold Level supporters Chris Allegretta, the Four Guys with Quarters podcast, Tom Albrecht, and Kalyan Kumar. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv slash support to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash s.